Hey, everydayer. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of your favorite Locked On podcast. This is a bonus episode of the Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special, featuring can't-miss insight on the NBA draft that you can't get anywhere else. If you enjoy it, head over to the Locked On NBA, Locked On NBA Big Board, or Locked On College Basketball Podcasts to get the entire six-episode special. But for now, enjoy your favorite team's first selection of the 2023 Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On's 2023 NBA Mock Draft Special, the most comprehensive mock draft with local and national experts providing insight and analysis you can't get anywhere else. Don't miss a single pick as we discuss where the future stars of the NBA will call home. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the 2023 Lockdown NBA Mock Draft Special Episode 2 coming at you right now. This is the most comprehensive mock draft you'll find, and it's even bigger this year. The six-episode series will take you through the entire first round of the NBA draft with unparalleled insight from all of the drafting teams thanks to the local experts of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, throughout the special, you hear from our local NBA shows, dozens of our college shows that cover your favorite teams every Monday through Friday, our NBA experts from the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. And this year, year you'll get trade insights from our Locked On NBA insider, Howard Beck. Happy to be here hosting this year. I'm Kylan Mills, basketball host and analyst with the Pac-12 Network, NBC Sports Bay Area, ESPN Plus, as well as the co-host of the Locked On Warriors podcast. My co-host alongside me here on the show, the great NBA draft analyst and host of the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, who spent his wedding night scouting Victor <laughs> Wembanyama, Rafael Barlow here with us. And college basketball expert and co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, Isaac Shade. Isaac, you have yet to share a story that one-ups Raphael. I mean, you got to prove your dedication here on this show. I've literally got nothing, Kylan. Uh, <laughs> let me go. I was born in England. How about that? <laughs> All right, we'll take it. Born in My England. parents were missionaries, so I was born in England. All right. Fun fact about Isaac. Okay, here's my one really quick story about my dedication to basketball. In my wedding, during our entrance to our reception, my husband and I wore Chicago Bulls jerseys, and they played the Chicago Bulls warm-up song, The Running of the Bulls, if you've ever heard it. Heard it. We had to smoke. Like, we had the whole thing. Basically, we went crazy. We did a Bulls intro for our wedding. So, there you go. We're all very dedicated basketball <laughs> fans here on the show. Okay, so here in Episode 2, we're going to break down pick 6 through 10. And to give a quick recap of what went down in the first round, Victor Wembenyama off the board, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, Amon Thompson, and then Usar Thompson all went off the board in that exact order. Before we move on to pick number six, did anything surprise you guys from that first round? No, I'm, I'm just more surprised at how many job titles you have. <laughs> right? Fair enough. Renaissance woman over yeah, here. Right. I love it, Kyla. That, that was a lot of job titles. So anyway, uh, no, I think the draft one in, in, in the fifth order. Actually, no, Cam Whitmore. Okay. Cam Whitmore. Yeah. yeah. What, what was interesting to me about that, uh, those first five picks, was the diversity that we had in terms of origin of where those players came from. We had an international player, a college player, 
a G League Ignite player, and our first two ever overtime elite draftees. All of that in the first five picks makes for a great start to a NBA draft. Right now, the Orlando Magic are on the clock. Host Philip Rossman Reich weighing his options. Now, Orlando's a team that has two picks, at least at this point, both the sixth and 11th pick going to the Magic. And Orlando's a team that already has so much young talent. You're looking at Franz Wagner, center Wendell Carter, point guard Markel Fultz, and then last year's number one pick in Paulo Banquero. Rafael, before we talk about who they could potentially pick, I want to know, should Orlando trade one of these away? I would definitely look into a trade. I would I would do my due diligence there. I think that no matter who they select at 6 and 11, it's going to be overlapping skill sets. And right now they have quite a few guys that are point guards. And, and then I'm just not a fan of when you have a young team with a bunch of guys that are fighting for their second contract. I think that leads to a lot of selfish play. So I would hmm. try to consolidate the two picks if I'm Orlando and maybe try to move up to two or three or see if you can get a post trade. I mean, you know, during the middle of the draft, see if you can uh, acquire Scoot, but that would be my choice. Okay, interesting. So, Isaac, my question for you is, I know you guys both mentioned you felt like Cam Whitmore could have been off the board already at this point. Is he the best player available, in your opinion, or is there someone else Orlando should be looking at? Uh, the only other player, at least from the college ranks, I would add in here is Jarris Walker as a possibility. The, the, he and Whitmore are my next two guys I would be looking at. So, if the Magic keep this pick, I would be looking at either Whitmore or Walker. All right, really quickly, what does Whitmore bring to the table? I know we talked about him a little bit last episode, but for folks just joining us, a quick recap. Absolutely. Well, uh, people might be aware he had a thumb injury to start the year and so just had a little bit of a delayed uh, beginning to his college career. But once he got going, this young man is an elite athlete, above the rim player, can create like crazy for himself. The knock has been he doesn't necessarily create like crazy for others, but why would he when he can finish at the rim like he can? And so uh, Kim Whitmore is a dude who's going to bring above the rim athleticism wherever he goes. All right. Well, the pick is in. Let's go to Locked On Magic host Philip Rossman Reich with a six pick in this year's Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special. This is Philip Ross Reich, the host of Locked On Magic. And with the sixth pick in the 2023 Locked On NBA Mock Draft, the Orlando Magic select Grady Dick. Now, there are a lot of upside plays here. When you're drafting six, you typically don't want to go for need. But the fact of the matter is this Magic team needs shooting. And they need shooting badly. It is the biggest thing they need. It's the biggest thing they need to support their young core, Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner. And at this point, with the Magic where they are, having won 34 games last year, this Orlando Magic team needs to start positioning itself to win. So yes, you don't always want to draft solely on need, but this need is pretty big. And like last year where maybe we overthought some things come draft night, it's time to make the simple choice. The Magic need shooting, so take the best shooter in the draft. And that very well could be Grady Dick. Ooh, some eyebrows raising over here. Mm, mm, mm. Interesting selection. All right, before we get your guys' takes on this, our Locked on Thunder host, Ryland Styles, is a big fan of the Grady Dick selection. Let's check out what's going on over in the war room. Grady Dick is amazing. He's more than a shooter, folks. Really? Great feel for the game. Really good rebounder. I think he can be a really good off-ball defender, too. Now, you're going to have to hide him in your team construct, but he can be a good off-ball defender, high motor, always moving, can shoot off movement, 
I think he's gonna be really good. Cerebral, hard hat, lunch pail guy, first guy in and out of the gym, real gym rat, scrappy, sneaky athlete. Coach's son. There you go. <laughs> he's played a lot of high level basketball. He played, you know, he was a Gatorade All American, Gatorade All Player of the Year. Played in, in high level uh, high school circuits and then played at Kansas for Bell South. And stuff. you've won cliche bingo. You did it. You hit all <laughs> the, all the hot button terms. <laughs> okay, well, we got some of the positives uh, in regard to the selection and what Grady Dick brings to the table, but certainly some eyebrows raised. The sixth pick much higher than he was projected at going. I think there certainly is some higher level talent overall with some bigger potential left on the board. Was this the right choice for Orlando, Raphael? We'll start with you. On one hand, I get it. They they definitely have a need for shooting. They were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. I think they were 23rd in three-point shooting. So I, I get it. I think they could have got him at 11 if they really wanted to. Again, I'm, I'm sure Isaac probably agrees since we agree on a lot of things. I would have went with Cam <laughs> Whitmore because Cam Whitmore is, I think, uh, the better prospect. I think he has the higher upside. And he shot 40% off the catch this year. He ranked in the top 84% how in college basketball and shooting off the catch. So you get your shooting, athleticism, I mean, I just think you get more with Cam Whitmore. Yeah, absolutely. Like the the shooting is there. It's unquestionable. The swagger is there. Like not only obviously there have been jokes made all year about his name, but Grady Dick brings it on the court like he knows he's the dude and he walks around like it. Kansas this past year needed either he or Jalen Wilson to go or they didn't go as a team because the rest of their their starters were guys that are really strong defenders, but not just walking buckets like Grady Dick is. And so at the collegiate level, he was athletic enough to do what he needed to do, but it's very average level NBA athleticism. In my opinion, Raphael, you can tell me if I'm wrong on that. Here's what's missed about Grady Dick is he has great positional size. We're going to talk about Jairus Walker. I'm sure he's coming off the board soon here. Grady Dick is only a quarter inch shorter than Jairus Walker. And so those kind of things uh, can get missed. Uh, As was said in the war room, you're going to have to find ways to kind of hide him defensively because if I'm if I'm an opposing coach, top of my scouting report. All right, who's Grady Dick Garden? Cool, give him the ball. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, you can make a case and say he is the best shooter in the class. And what's interesting about the numbers with Grady Dick, when you think of him, you don't think of a, a guy that scores mostly out of like pick and roll and ball screens. But when he was put in ball screens, he ranked in the top 96 percentile in the country shot about 42% as the pick and roll ball handler. So I thought Kansas did a good job of kind of setting the screen and allowed him to pull up and elevate over the top. Again, I get why Orlando selected him at number six for, I get why they went after shooting, but I still think you could have got him at 11. And, and even if you couldn't get him at 11, you've got six and 11. Package those like you talked about earlier, Raphael, and move to like nine or 10 if you need to, if you're worried about somebody else grabbing him. Yep. Okay, so my hot button question for you guys. Isaac, we'll start with you. Orlando did need a shooter desperately. Was Grady Dick the best shooter in the college game this year? As Raphael just said, I think it's an arguable, like an arguable point that you could say that best pure shooter. He's got a nice high release, all of that. Uh, for me, if I'm looking at it, I I don't think Jordan Hawkins is as quite as elite a shooter as Grady Dick 
but he brings more in other areas that for me would tick him up above Grady Dick. So I would probably give that to Hawkins. I would, I could make a case for Hawkins because if, if you look at the percentages, it's going to say that Grady Dick is the better shooter, but the degree of difficulty. Mm, good point. Goes to Jordan Hawkins. I mean, he's flying off screens <laughs> and I mean, there's only a few guys that I can think of that, have the ability to fly off screens, catch, shoot, let it fly. I mean, not saying he's going to be as good a shooter as Clay and Steph and JJ Redick and uh, Kyle Korver, but he's that type of movement shooter, which I think is really valuable. And I think that you could have got him at 11 and you still addressed your needs. 100%. we'll, We'll see how this turns out. Yeah, interesting. Okay, interesting insights. For some more insights on Grady Dick, let's head over to our Locked On Jayhawks host, Derek Johnson. Hey, it's Derek Johnson with Locked On Jayhawks with your NBA Draft Player Spotlight of Grady Dick. Grady had a phenomenal freshman season at Kansas, one of the best that we've seen from a one-and-done under Bill Self. You're throwing up the likes of Josh Jackson and Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid with the production that he was able to put up. He was the best shooter on the team, shot 40% from three, over 14 points, five rebounds, second-team All-Big 12 selection, and he had to deal with some ups and downs going through some times where defenses uh, or opposing offenses targeted him on the defensive end of the ball. But he always wanted to. He tried hard on that end, would end up with good steal numbers. We saw times where teams face guarded him, had to adjust through that throughout the season. Good news in the NBA, there will be a little bit more spacing for him. And he is a knockdown shooter, can shoot off movement has a very high release. Again, shot 40%, very repeatable release wherever he's going. They know they are getting one of the best shooters, if not the best shooter in the draft, but there's potential for more because he's a six, eight wing who's athletic, who tries hard on defense, good offensive rebounder, made some good moments there and really just wants to improve and get better in his overall game, wherever that ends up being for Grady. Okay. Interesting. Any additional reactions to some of that insight? All facts. here's what i I do love with grady dick you're getting a guy who's putting the time in like while the ceiling might not be as high as some others he does have a high floor in my opinion and i like that what he brings offensively in that way more facts for some more facts we're gonna go to richard stamen to the locked on nba big board With the sixth pick in the NBA draft, the Orlando Magic selected Grady Dick out of Kansas. He's a shooter. He can absolutely shoot the lights out. He's incredibly intelligent on the floor, but there are lots of risks with this pick. I actually think there were a few guys I think that the Magic could have taken instead and gotten down at 11. Grady Dick, is, while he is a great shooter, he still has some shortcomings. He's, he's a good athlete, but he doesn't create much. On ball, he's limited defensively. But the good news for them is, you know, the Magic really needed spot-up shooters. That's arguably their very biggest need. It's a role over position need. And at 6'7", 6'8", roughly, uh, the combine measurement was a little bit loose since they measure without shoes. He still fills a need. The issue for him is just how much can he hold his own defensively while being intelligent on the defensive end. That's going to be very telling for him. I think this is an okay pick. There are better players on the, on the, on the board. Ah, just an okay pick. Before we move along, what would you guys grade this pick for the Orlando Magic? 
Those faces tell the whole story right there. If you're not watching well, and you're listening, very, very mixed reactions here. The listeners can't see my facial expression. <laughs> because so I'm, I'm trying to describe it. It's not good. It's not pretty. Like pick fit grade versus choice grade overall. Like pick fit because of the need of spot up shooters. Maybe B, B minus. But in terms of like just outside of context pick, ah, C. I'll give them a C plus because they did <laughs> feel they did feel a, a need, a glaring need, but I mean like I said before, like Richard said, probably could have got him at eleven or maybe even a Jordan Hawkins. So I'll give them a C plus because they did help the team get better. Okay, now just to be clear, when I said your face wasn't pretty, Raphael, I didn't mean it's not pretty to look at. Just your reaction to this pick wasn't pretty, okay? So if you're listening, Raphael, very, very pretty face overall. Just not super impressed with this Orlando Magic pick at number six. Just now, be worried about on, my wife. Just be worried about my wife. That's all. She she maybe take offense to that. Okay. Oh, no, your wife is the goat. She is the one who is out scouting Wembenyama on her wedding night. We do not want to make her angry. Please beg for her forgiveness for me <laughs> gotcha it, it happened all right the number six pick in the books before we move along to number seven will it be cam whitmore he's a player these two have been really high on surprised he hasn't gone quite yet we'll find out is he going to be next The Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special is brought to you by Bird Dogs. If you're looking for some of the most comfortable, stylish shorts you can find, you got to go check out Bird Dogs. Our producer Ross was just telling me these are some of his favorite shorts because they've got that khaki style, but they're also designed to fit a little bit slimmer and give your legs that truly sculpted look. They also are anti-sweat, anti-stink, so you'll be comfortable and also smell pretty good all day long. Go to birddogs.com backslash Locked On NBA and enter promo code locked on NBA for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for a free Yeti style tumbler. Those are awesome as well. Almost as awesome as the clothes. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. Continuing our Locked On Mock Draft NBA special, the Indiana Pacers have picked number seven. Very excited to see which direction this goes. Now, Indiana was the seventh worst rebounding team in the NBA. They were last in defensive rebounding this season. Raphael, who do they pick to address some of those issues? I think Jairus Walker could help address those needs. He'd be a good rebounder, defender, additional playmaker, a guy that can knock down open shots. But I still think I would go with Cam Whitmore. That's 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 just who I go with. Maybe I'm just gonna campaign for Cam until he's <laughs> off the board. Fair enough. Is that your pick as well, Isaac? Would you say Whitmore? Y'all I mean, are both it, just riding this Whitmore train, it, man. Well, listen, uh, because of the rebounding, here's where I'll throw in a, a new wrinkle. Let's go with some Taylor Hendricks love, uh, a guy that really does some nice things defensively, has that ability to knock down shots just like these other guys we're talking about. Uh, let's get his name in here for the first time as a potential if we really need some rebounding. Okay, so three big names that pop pop into mind right now. Jarris Walker, Cam Whitmore, Taylor Hendricks. Isaac, like what differentiates those three or how would you rank them? Mm. With Jarris Walker, it's all about defense. Like if if I'm not going to com- 
call him Anthony Davis. Hear me not saying that in any way. But when Anthony Davis was coming out, his offensive game was very much a work in progress. That's kind of where Jairus Walker is. There's a lot there that suggests he's going to be able to continue to grow offensively. Um, but you go get him because of his defensive capability already in his NBA ready body. In terms of Whitmore, we've already laid that out. It's the athleticism. It's what he can yeah. do to create and, and finish with Hendricks. It's three and D from the stretch four position. And so really uh, we're getting into that range a little bit where fit wise, it, as the Pacers brass, you look at that and you go with any of those dudes who you think can help you best at this spot. All right. Well, let's see what the pick is. It looks like our pick is in. Let's go to Locked On host Tony East with a selection for the Indiana Pacers. Tony East here with Locked On Pacers and with the seventh pick in the Locked On mock draft, the Pacers will select Jarris Walker from Houston. Kind of exactly what the Pacers need. A couple forwards in this range who make sense for the blue and gold who would like to improve defensively and who need forward depth desperately. Guess what? Jarris Walker helps with both of those things coming from a Houston program that emphasizes that defensive prowess. He can do all sorts of those things, can switch on to multiple different positions. He talked about being good at that. After the draft combine, he averaged 6.8 rebounds, 11.2 points per game. His passing was impressive at times with the Cougars. Can finish plays was a decent enough shooter. The plug-and-play ability he has to be able to defend, run in the open floor, grab the rebound, defend multiple positions is exactly what the Pacers need and could grow into one of those kind of Swiss Army knife forwards in the NBA. The Pacers will take it, and he'll fit right in with what they're hoping to accomplish in the next couple of years. Pacers happy with Jairus Walker at number seven. Okay, interesting. Heard a lot of talk about defense. Jairus Walker is certainly a versatile defender. Also, one thing to note about the Pacers, they were top five in the NBA in switching on ball screens this season. How do you think Walker's skill set could fit into that specific, you know, defensive mindset this team has, Rafael? I like it. He definitely helps on the defensive end. I think that he is kind of unfairly labeled as just this defensive presence. He has a lot more to his game on the offensive end. One of the things I like about Walker, and I had to watch his, his high school film to see, but he is a very, very good passer and playmaker. Right. Kind of settled into a role in Houston. But here's something, that I, and I don't want to go on a tangent here, but here's something I like about Walker. Go on a tangent. We love tangents. <laughs> Houston does not have one-and-done players. That's right. They do not have a history of one-and-done players. When Jairus Walker signed up to go to University of Houston, he signed up to be coached hard. He signed up to play a, a role that probably wasn't going to showcase everything that he has. And he just played like great team defense. He was a good defender. So I think that from like a, a standpoint of a general manager or whatever, you feel like we got a guy that showed that he could play in a system, play winning ball, and he's coachable. He's been coached hard. He was forced to defend. And now we can actually allow him to kind of spread his wings on the offensive end. And just a few stats about Jairus Walker that I like. Mm -hmm. For a big, he had 12 more assists and turnovers. There are some guards in this draft class, <laughs> point guards, that did not have the same assist to turnover ratio. He shot 73% on cuts to the rim, which is great for a guy like Tyrese Halliburton to find. And he shot 66% at the rim, so he's a good finisher. But here's the, the key. He shot 41% on catch and shoot jumpers. If the shot ends up falling, you could end up with this Bam Adebayo, Draymond Green type 
connective defensive presence that can make plays for others. I like the pick. I still like Cam Whitmore, but I would still give the Pacers an A for this pick because he feels the need. Interesting. And it's interesting you brought up a player like Draymond Green. Now, Isaac, do you see Jairus Walker having potential to make buckets for himself as well? Do you see his offensive role if he blossoms in the A being more of a playmaker or facilitator? Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. I would call him Draymond Green without the headache of the Draymond Green of it all. Uh, like, <laughs> because th- one of my favorite things about Jairus Walker is he's just a good, fun young man. Like, go watch an interview with him. He's just measured. He thinks through what he's saying, but he he's jovial. He enjoys being around. I love everything Raphael said about what choice he made of where to go to school, right? Like, he's not just surrounding himself with a bunch of his buddies from AAU and like, hey, let's go to Duke or Kentucky and do this thing. He surrounded himself with veteran college basketball players, Marcus Sasser, Tremont Mark, Jamal Shet, like all these guys um, who he could learn under along with Kelvin Sampson. And it's great. What, what I love that he can do, kind of going back to your question there, Kylan, is even though he might be a little undersized positionally, he is silly long. Just like his wingspan measurement at the draft combine was seven, two and a half. Yep. While he's, his height measurement was six, six and a half. Obviously, as Raphael said earlier, that's Shoeless Joe Jackson version. But still, like the, those measurements is insane. So if you want to put a bigger slow-footed defender on me cool see ya gone if you want to put a smaller you know evenly sized guy on me cool let's go play some bully ball in the paint i'd like to see more of that he does fade away a little bit too much for me just relying on that i'd like to see jaris take guys down in the paint and say look i'm 250 let's go because again that body is nba ready Interesting. Seems like a player with a lot of upside. Now, to find out more about forward Jarris Walker, let's check in with our Locked On Cougs host, Parker Ainsworth. The first Houston Cougar is off the board. Jarris Walker is officially an NBA basketball player. I'm the host of Locked On Cougs, Parker Ainsworth, and I'm telling you, you've got a sure fire NBA basketball player at six, six and a half without his shoes on 249 pounds, seven, two and a half wingspan, a 38 inch vertical shot, 35% from three. This guy is a sure thing. I love that. He's a gamer. Go back and watch those big, big matchups with the Virginias, the Auburns, the Miamis. He does everything for the Houston Cougars in those games. Virginia really, that game highlights what he does as a creator as well against UCF. He covered Taylor Hendricks against Alabama. He's been chunks of the game holding Brandon Miller to zero field goals. Big time prospect, big time player. We're thinking Paul Millsap, Sean Marion, maybe a little bit bouncer, bouncier Julius Randle. A lot of things to be hopeful for about this. Jarrett's going to be a great, great pro for a long time. Big, strong, sturdy, and man, he can fill it up if you let him. Go Cougs, go Jarrett's. Big time basketball player. <laughs> Love it. A little go Cougs there at the end. Can you guys believe Cam Whitmore still on the board? I mean, two picks now come and gone. I, I can't believe it, but I will say this. I think that going to whether it was Indiana or you know, Washington is up next. I think that is a better fit for him, like as far as playing time right away than Orlando. I mean, Orlando has Ben Carroll and Wagner, guys that play the same position if Jonathan Isaac is healthy. So I, I do think... No, that will sense, never happen, Rafael. Yeah, nice try. play like three games since since like COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think sliding for him might actually help him land in a better spot. 
Okay, interesting. Do you share the same sentiments, Isaac? Yeah, I mean, and when we're talking sliding, we're still talking the eighth overall pick in the 2023 NBA (laughs) draft. And so, uh, nice little payday for Cam wherever he goes. You got to expect it's going to be the next couple picks here. Okay, well, before we move along to the eighth pick, let's check in with Leaf Tulin of the Locked On NBA Big Board. Jarris Walker at number seven to the Pacers is a phenomenal pick. Jarris Walker is a player who put up pedestrian stats on a loaded team. 11 points, seven rebounds, two assists, couple stocks to his name. Uh, a budding passer, someone who shot 35% from three as an off-ball player with tremendous defensive upside and floor. What is Jarris Walker? I spoke to an executive at the Combine, and he said, Jarris Walker, if he went to Ole Miss or South Carolina, likening him to G.G. Jackson or Brandon Miller, some freshman in the SEC who exceeded expectations, uh, I think he would score 18 and 9 is what he told me about Jarris Walker and would be a surefire number five pick. So he's got more at his disposal, more in the tool belt than he showed at Houston where he played a role and played it in a stellar way. Uh, Jarris Walker's a big-bodied wing who can defend and will feed off of Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin and the players that are in place already with the Pacers. I really like this fit, and I think this is a very likely landing spot for Jarris Walker. All right, moving along to pick number six, Grady Dick and Jarris Walker off the board at six and seven. Now the Washington Wizards are on the clock. The Wizards are a team in search of an identity. They were 22nd in the league in offense, 21st in defense. They finished 12th in the Eastern Conference. Their GM was just let go at the end of the season. I'm not even going to pretend and say what direction do they go with this pick, but I'm just going to say, Raphael, how would Cam Whitmore help this group if they were to choose him? I mean, the Wizards need a lot of help as is. But with Kuzma and Porzingis, unless they play Cam at the three, which, you know, more than likely, uh, I don't know. I, I would, if I'm the Wizards, <laughs> sorry, Cam. <laughs> I, think I, no. point, I think I may go point guard here because they had wow. like probably the worst point starting point guard rotation in the NBA. They had good game managers, but there was no, I mean, their point guards would, and it's no knock on DeLon Wright and Monte Morris, but I mean, like the opposing teams aren't game planning to stop DeLon Wright and Monte Morris. So I think uh, upgrading the point guard position is the biggest need, while I think Cam Whitmore is the best player available. So it'll be interesting to see what the Wizards do here. Who would you, if you were doing that, Barlow, who would you do? Would you go Anthony Black, Kaysen Wallace? What are you looking at? I'm going with Kaysen Wallace. I'm, I believe in the Kentucky bump. I'm not a big Kentucky fan, but I believe in their guys succeed in the NBA. I mean, we can't make, teams can't keep making the mistake of Tyrese Maxey going to 18 or Shea Gilgis-Alexander falling to the back end of the lottery, Tyler Hero in the back end of the lottery, Jamal Murray, all of those guys will go higher in a redraft. So eventually you have to say, you know what, (laughs) I'm just going to take a Kentucky guard because I know they're going to be better than what they showed in college. I think you really missed it there. You should have gone with Gilbert Arenas. (laughs) He went to Arizona. Now, to your point, though, about needing a point guard, uh, I mean, you look at Bradley Beal, he really needs a higher level playmaker, I think, than Monty Morris in the backcourt. You look at the Wizards when they've made it to the playoffs. He was alongside John Wall, even that one season with Russell Westbrook. Um, If they don't go with a point guard, what direction does this organization go from here? Might have to play Beal at point guard. (laughs) <laughs> That's the only thing I can I can think of. It, it's a tough choice. Um, you know, it's a new front office there, but 
I would go to point guard, honestly. But it depends. If they don't feel like they can bring Kuzma back or the price tag gets too high, then Ken Whitmore would be the choice. Okay. Isaac, what do you think? Best player available or, you know, the position you really need right now, which is point guard? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I was having fun with Gilbert Arenas and the Wizards there, but I, I yeah. love the, the case in Wallace call because I okay. everything he brings, like it's going to be like Jairus Walker where everyone's going to talk about his defense, but there's so much more that case in Wallace is able to do. When Coach Cal finally realized what he had in case in Wallace and inserted him into the starting lineup over Xavier Wheeler, Kentucky took off. Why not plug and play for the Wizards as well? All right. Well, the eighth pick is in. Let's find out. Our Locked On Wizards host, Brandon Scott, has his selection. What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Brandon Scott, again with Locked On Wizards. And with the eighth pick in the 2023 Locked On NBA mock draft, the Washington Wizards select Cam Whitmore, 6'7", out of Villanova. Why do we want Cam Whitmore? For many reasons. He can finish at the basket. He can cut on the offense and defensive end. He is versatile. He's a true 3D wing who can shoot from the high percentage from behind the arc and defend at a high level. And he's got that dog in him, which we desperately need in D.C. for the Wizards. Now, how does he slide into the lineup in D.C.? Well, if they indeed re-sign Kyle Kuzma and KP, he can slide right into the three at the wing, putting Kyle Kuzma at the four and KP at the five. And I think he'd be very successful in Washington, D.C. and really aid in this retool or rebuild or really drive to make this a playoff team. But I think he can fit in right well in D.C. So appreciate y'all and peace. All right, Raphael, they didn't go the point guard direction. What is your reaction to that pick? I'm not mad at it. I mean, I think they got the best player available. I do have some concerns about a, a Kuzma just line defensively as far as you know defending physical centers or physical front front court players but you know i mean it's the nba it's not a whole lot of that going on anyway but i can't be mad at the pick they got the best player available same your reaction isaac man i listen you're not going to be mad about getting an uber athlete that it, like in terms of players measured at the NBA draft combine had a 40 and a half inch max vert fourth highest among everyone tested only one of four players that was 40 inches or higher. I mean, I don't know how many different ways I can say it. This guy can do what you need him to do. I think a lot of people, again, we, we talked about it on the last show. I think there's a little bit of a, a bump down on cam because Villanova was not Villanova last year. Villanova didn't have Jay Wright last year. Villanova didn't have Justin Moore last year. Villanova didn't have Cam Whitmore to start the year last year. And I I legitimately think had all of those aligned normally, he would have been in that conversation for fourth or fifth pick in this draft right behind Wemby and Miller and Scoot along with the Thompson twins. So, um, listen, you go get the guy that, that is, in our opinion, the next available best on the board. Can't hate it. Yeah, and I mentioned with Jairus Walker about a guy that chose to go to a school that does not produce one-and-dones. Cam Whitmore is the first Villanova one-and-done since Tim Thomas, and that was in 97. Mm. I'm in my mid-40s. I was in high school when the, the last time Villanova had a one-and-done. It's pretty crazy. Well, now they've got a player with some real star potential in Cam Whitmore. And to learn more about him, let's go on over to Locked On College Basketball co-host Isaac's counterpart, Andy Patton. 
Well, the Villanova Wildcats may not have exceeded expectations last year, but star freshman Cam Whitmore was everything advertised and more in a tremendous one-and-done season for Villanova. The six foot seven forward averaged 12.5 points and 5.3 rebounds per game, showcasing a variety of different ways to score the basketball. He's long. He's athletic. He's going to be able to score at every single way in the NBA, and he's got the ability to be an impactful defensive player as well. There is very little not to like about Cam Whitmore. He hasn't showed a ton of playmaking and distributing ability, but if you're drafting him to be somebody who passes the ball, you probably have the wrong guy. Whitmore is the kind of player NBA scouts have long dreamt about in just about any era of basketball, and he's going to be a very, very good one who makes an NBA general manager quite happy going forward. All right. Well, there we have it. Isaac, are you on the same page with your co-host or not? Of course. Andy said it exactly right. You're not drafting Cam Whitmore to go distribute the ball. If you wanted that, you'd go get Anthony Black or Casey Wallace or somebody who does that. Let the man score. Let him get to the rim. Kick out when needed, when guys crash on him. But no, Andy's right on. So my question is, who's running this Washington offense next season? Raphael Raphael said it. Uh, I guess they got to see if they can trade into, I don't know, <laughs> Bradley Bill. Bill, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You said it, man. Let him go. Bradley Bill. I don't know. Maybe they figured out a way to turn uh, Johnny Davis into a point guard. <laughs> well, <laughs> certainly it'll be interesting in Washington. But first, for more on Cam Whitmore, let's check in with Richard Stamen of the Locked On NBA Big Board. Washington Wizards selected Cam Whitmore out of Villanova. What was once projected to be a one-and-done top-five prospect, Cam Whitmore fell off a little bit with just some inconsistencies across shooting, defending, and mostly passing. The passing concerns are a little bit more obvious than the other two. The free throw percentage doesn't pop for Cam Whitmore, but the jump shooting over contest is too hard to, to deny. He can finish at the rim. He's a three-level scorer. If you were to draw up a wing with star upside, Kim Whitmore fits a lot of the bills. You know, you can score at all three levels. He can theoretically, you know, he's a good athlete. He can get to the rim with ease. He can create a little bit on his own, especially through bully ball. The defensive upside is there while there is stuff to iron out. The only thing missing from that is he's got to become a better playmaker. He was big in the FIBA U19, excuse me, U18s with the United States. If he can build on that success, he will be an absolute star for Washington. All right. Up next on the clock, the Utah Jazz with the ninth overall pick. Wait a second. Are you guys hearing that siren? Cue the siren. I think we have some breaking news. There are some discussions happening about a possible trade going on in the war room. Let's head over to see what exactly is going on. Uh, David, I know, I know you're not in love with this draft. And I know that your team is in a bit of the conundrum next year, given the fact that are you good enough to go to the playoffs? Are you, what are you going to do with this pick next year? And the Thunder own it top 10 protected, though. But what if you're better than expected again next year and that falls out of the top 10? So what if I just gave you your pick back plus pick 12 for pick nine? I just give it back to you. You control it again. Do whatever you want with it. And I give you pick 12. So wait a sec. I get the 12th pick of the draft. And your pick back next year. Deal. Well, that'll be a hot pick. 
Well, the Mills bomb has been dropped. Okay, for the record, I didn't make that up. Our producer, Ross Jackson, made it up. <laughs> Full credit goes to him. Very clever. Love it. Oklahoma City Thunder now on the clock up next at number nine. Who will they select? We'll find out in just a moment. This Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special is presented by Game Time. Just the other day, my mom was in town visiting from Chicago. I live here in the Bay Area. We were trying to find tickets to the Cubs-Giants games. We found great deals on the Game Time app. Now, some things you can do. You can find flash deals for last-minute tickets. They're easy to find and buy tickets for any kind of event going on in your area. They show you images of the seat views, and it's the lowest price guaranteed. Event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and so much more. Finding tickets last minute doesn't have to be stressful. Now stag the tickets without the stress at game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use the code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code at locked on NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Continuing now, our Locked On Mock Draft Special. The OKC Thunder now have the ninth overall pick in our draft. The Thunder are a team that are well on their way to being a playoff contender. They had the fifth best offense in the NBA this season. Raphael, what direction do the Thunder go with this pick? I think the Thunder have the luxury of just taking whoever they want, best player available. They don't necessarily have a need for fit. Although I'm thinking maybe down the line, they're going to have to face Jokic in a playoff series. So they may want to need some beef, but there's nobody available at at this range. But they're getting a rookie in in Chet next year. And I mean, they're good at the point guard. They're good at, you know, with with Gidges Alexander and Jalen Williams. I just think they can gamble on the highest upside and, and someone that they don't necessarily need to come in and contribute right away. I may gamble on like a, a Bilal Koulibaly or somebody like that. Interesting. Isaac, who is the best available talent on the board right now in your eyes? You're already laughing. I'm <laughs> you laughing can't see because... him, he's laughing. Explain why, sir. <laughs> I'm laughing because Raphael was talking about needing beef and then like two players later said Chet Holmgren coming back. And I just, I'm, I'm picturing fat Chet Holmgren and it's the hilarious thing, most hilarious thing I've ever seen in my life. I just sent him to dude... New Orleans for a summer. He'll be all right. Yeah, that's oh. right. Getting some beignets, let's go. Um, no, I think this is where I would go Taylor Hendricks. I mean, uh, what he brings on both sides of the ball, the shot making ability from outside, the the positional size, um, his ability to just wreak havoc defensively and to uh, protect the rim. I, I think that makes sense for the Thunder. Okay, my only question about Taylor Hendricks is, you know, a player coming out of a mid-major like that, can his game translate? Are there any concerns when you look at what team he was on? Well, uh, do you have any concerns with Jairus Walker? Because they're coming out of the same conference, right? Like, I mean, that, that's enough. the conversation we're having here. Because yeah. um, what I would say about Taylor Hendricks is if this was next year and UCF was already in the Big 12, like they'll be next year, yeah. it, it just wouldn't even be a conversation. No, so uh, he... Uh, transcends those kind of conversations. I'm not worried about it. And and even if we've seen players in recent memory, uh, Santa Clara did it last year. They're yep. going to do it again this year who have players that come in and then not only do that, for the Thunder themselves, by the way, I should add. And so I, I have no concerns there at all. 
Yeah, I mean, you. I immediately was thinking of Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara when we were talking about this. But I mean, it's a conversation that, you know, still has had around the league in terms of some of these uh, players coming from, you know, the mid-major programs. But UCF won't be in that category for long. All right. Can I add something real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, add it. I mean, are we just done with geography and conferences now? Like, (laughs) why do we have a team from Florida in the Big 12? And then we got Creighton in the Big East. And now we have UCLA or... Or is it UCLA, UCLA and USC yeah. going to yeah, the both Big of them, Ten? Both of them going to the Big Ten. Well, here, listen, <laughs> Raphael. People can't see me, but money, it's all money, about money, the money, money, money. Yeah, come, I mean, that, that's it. Is Everyone's trying to build these super conferences now so that they can survive. The uh, Big Ten and the SEC are light years ahead of everyone else, along with the new media deals they're both getting. So the Pac-12, Kylan knows this, the Pac-12 and the ACC and the Big 12 are trying to figure out how to survive. And you do that by bringing in a Houston in that media market. You do it by bringing in UCF and the Orlando media market. That's where it's at. So you have, in the Big 12, you got Colorado. No. (laughs) Colorado's in the Pac-12. Yeah, they moved, yeah. Okay. There, there are conversations about them coming back, back to okay, the Big okay. yeah. Right. Well, no, like right now, if you look at USC and UCLA, like those teams are going to be flying to Penn, like on a regular basis. When you look at some of the Big Ten schools, like they're in East Coast time zones, like you're literally going across the country. It's going to be kind of crazy, you know, to figure out all the logistics there. It honestly sounds like a nightmare. I want no part of it. Um, but my question, OK, before we move on to the pick, but for you, Isaac, is this eventually going to be a Big Ten and SEC are the only two power conferences that take over everything. Do you see that happening? I, I see. I don't guarantee it, but I see a world where that's a very real thing where we essentially have, let's call it an Eastern Conference and Western Conference, an AFC and an NFC, a National League and American League. And then, you know, maybe 16 teams each, very similar to our professional leagues. But that, I mean, that's where it's going. I, I would not be surprised if... Uh, pretty soon here, the players, because of name, image, and likeness stuff for people who haven't been diving into college, players can benefit off of their name, image, and likeness now. And so that's like, are we going to start seeing collective bargaining? agreement? Like all these kind of things are coming to college because of this. And it's all this one big ball of wax. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that happen. In fact, uh, the ACC's just had some more interesting conversations in their spring meetings. The Big 12 uh, did that um, like the last week of May. And so we're going to see all of this. But this is the time of year where a lot of moves happen. USC, UCLA, that came out about this time last year. So keep your eyes peeled, folks. Can't wait to watch it. UCLA Rutgers game <laughs> on like a Tuesday midnight. night in January. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's going to be fascinating to see. We're going to have to do a whole separate special about that whole situation because it's very interesting and I feel like a lot of changes are coming down the pipe, as you mentioned, Isaac, just for collegiate athletics in the big picture. But back to our mock draft special. Our ninth pick is in. Here is Ryan Stiles with a pick for the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Oklahoma City Thunder elect to trade pick number 12 and the 2024 Utah Jazz pick back to Utah in order to get back pick number nine. The Thunder are comfortable with this trade. They move up in the draft to get a player that seamlessly fits in Oklahoma City, and they only give up one of their four 
2024 first round picks. Utah gets more flexibility out of the deal and the Oklahoma City Thunder get Taylor Hendricks, who is an awesome player that complements Chet Holmgren extremely well at that power forward position. At 6'8", Hendricks shot nearly 40% from beyond the arc. He's an excellent on-ball defender with positional versatility that the Thunder covet, that floor spacing on offense, that help side rim protection on defense. It would be unfair for the Thunder to get a talent like Taylor Hendricks in this draft class to pair with Chet Holmgren, SGA, Jalen Williams, Josh Giddy, and the core continues to grow. The Thunder would be a force to be reckoned with. Interesting. So you just heard Rylan mentioning a possible partnership between Taylor Hendricks and Chet Holmgren. However, that is two very, very young players in your front court. How do you see those two skill sets shaping out in the NBA, Rafael? Well, I think the person that benefits most, most is Gilgis Alexander. If right. Hendricks and Chet are knocking down shots, he's already a, a great finisher. I mean, he's going to be able to just waltz into the lane because who do you help off of if both of those guys are, are shooting? I mean, I know Hendrick was at 39% from three. I know Chet shot a high percentage from three last year. Of course, we haven't seen them in the NBA, but if they're knocking down open shots and protecting the rim, Shea benefits defensively. If he gets beat, he's got some, some rim protection behind him. And on offense, he has floor spacing. So I like to pick. All right, Isaac, what's your insight? Well, to, to finish off what Rafael said, to, to put the numbers on it, Chet at Gonzaga was shooting 39% from three on 3.3 attempts per game. So, I mean, he was doing it with Taylor doing it. Both of these guys, like, you don't, Hendricks blocked 1.7 shots per game last year. Chet was just silly at Gonzaga. And so their ability on offense to step out, clear the uh, Red Sea for Shea to come down through it. Um, but then on the other side, I'm not trying to come in the paint against either of those guys. And so I, I think the way they would complement each other is phenomenal there. And again, Taylor Hendricks uh, un- maybe undervalued because of where he went. Don't don't miss that. Switchable. I think he's going to be switchable two through four defensively. I-, I couldn't see him going all the way to a true center or a true guard, but you know, can can do what he needs to do offensively. I'd like to see him grow in his handle a little bit to where he could do a little bit of playmaking, a little bit of driving, uh, maybe allow SGA to go off the ball a little bit there. So it could be really interesting, but a true modern day NBA stretch for it for sure. It's really scary because, as we mentioned before the pick was announced, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the fifth best offense in the NBA this season, that was without Chet Holmgren on the floor. Now you add in Taylor Hendricks, two floor spacers. How high do you see the ceiling being for this Thunder offense? I mean, not much higher you can go then. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They're already the fifth highest scoring, for goodness sakes. Yeah. Fourth. Was it fourth? Uh, no, I'm not. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I'll say this. Both of those dudes, <laughs> they got to start eating. Like, go get some Oklahoma City mm-hmm. barbecue because Chet, I feel like I could just, like, poke him like that and his bones would break like a piece of peanut brittle or something. I don't know. But uh, and, and same for Hendricks. He needs to put some weight on, too. So that that is one concern I would have in our mock draft world. Yeah, I mean, okay. I think if they start together, their combined front court may weigh like a little less than 400 pounds. <laughs> uh, it's crazy to think about. All right. For more on yeah. Hendricks, let's check in with our locked on college basketball host, Andy Patton. 
Taylor Hendricks was one of the biggest risers in all of college basketball last season, massively exceeding expectations in his lone season at Central Florida in the American Conference. I'm Andy Patton, the host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Hendricks averaged 15 and 7 last year as a six foot nine combo forward who showcased the elite outside shooting ability that you love to see from that kind of player. He also has a lot of defensive versatility and is able to guard multiple different positions. There are some questions about his ability to self-create. Can he go get his own shot if he has that ability, the aggressiveness to go get himself a bucket? That could lead him to being one of the biggest steals in this entire NBA draft class. Even if not, though, he's still a player who projects to have the floor of a very solid 3 and D wing. This is a player who should succeed very much so in the modern NBA. Oh, oh, okay. Um, Isaac has left the building. Uh, Looks like Isaac Shade is out. Um, Isaac, where you at? You want to come back now, please? Only he was. Andy asked me back. (laughs) Andy said he was the host. He didn't say co-host. He said yeah. His show. I guess I'm done. Y'all, good luck. Rest of the way. (laughs) All right. Well, man down, man down here in our locked on NBA mock draft special. Yikes. Well, you know, the way they're firing NBA coaches, you never know. Guys can get fired mid-show. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'll take a job. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. There should be some openings, Isaac. Well, let's just get you in. Forget college. We'll get you into the NBA game, right? I'm in. I'm all in. <laughs> I'll be the, I'll be the uh, Warriors' new GM. That sounds better. Oh, okay. Yeah. Come on over to the West Coast. Uh, you know, we'll have you. We'll love you. Um, tough right, decisions well, to make this summer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'd have your hands full. That's for sure. Um, I'm I definitive. Take away Let's go get my... rid of Steph. He's terrible. <laughs> oh, oh, whoa. Now, Isaac, I do not want to let you get hurt or attacked by Warriors Twitter uh, as a part of this special. So we're going to cut you off right there. Moving along in our Locked on NBA Mock Draft special. My one thing I wanted to ask about in terms of Hendricks, could he be the biggest deal of the draft? That was something that your counterpart, Andy, had mentioned. Do you think that is realistic Raphael and Isaac both of you what do you think on this I'm just laughing at the word biggest because I'm thinking of Chet <laughs> the and, beefiness and that we've together, been talking about like the thin towers <laughs> yeah. so um, he, he could be I mean I think he feels uh, I mean every team needs shooting but front court shooting and rim protection I mean that's such a, a valuable valuable asset so I wouldn't say he's the biggest deal but I think that I mean that's a great pick yeah, I, nine, I mean, I've got to go back to Cam Whitmore being picked several picks later than we thought he was. I, I think Cam could be a big steal. There's several players still on the board that if they slide much more than they have right now could enter that conversation. But uh, yeah, I mean, Hendricks is definitely in the conversation. All right. For more on this pick, let's go to Leaf Tulane of the Locked On NBA Big Board. Taylor Hendricks at nine to the Oklahoma City Thunder after a trade with the Utah Jazz. Hendricks is a guy who is unheralded coming into the year, but came away with a top 10 grade by just about anyone. Hendricks has a very high floor as a guy who shot 40% from three as a freshman and as a defensive anchor who can block shots as a secondary rim protector and slides his feet beautifully. He fits next to the Thunder's young core of Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Josh Giddy, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, Chet Holmgren, who's yet to return, and even Jalen Williams from Arkansas. He could play the four right away. He can also play bench minutes. Uh, 
I think this is a really interesting pick for the Thunder, and I understand why they'd move up to make this pick. Someone who can space the floor around their stars, who prefer to drive, and Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy, who have playmaking acumen. I think Hendricks is a guy who has high floor, a little bit limited ceiling, but would fit very nicely with this team and raise their ceiling as they're already looking to be a playoff team in what seems like a just a blink of the eye. The Thunder have really accelerated their timeline, and Taylor Hendricks should help to do so as well. Raphael, I feel like I cut you off tossing to that. Was there anything else that you wanted to add about that Thunder pick? No, I think it I think it makes a lot of sense. Like I said, I mean, with the, the floor spacing and the rim protection as you get there, it really benefits and those two guys complement their all NBA player in Shea Gilgis Alexander. So I like the pick. All right, moving along to the 10th pick in our Locked On NBA Mock Draft special, the Dallas Mavericks now weighing their options. The Mavs had a fairly successful mini tank job keeping the 10th pick this season. Now, this could be pretty interesting because some of the bigs you guys both are really high on are now off the board. So who is the next best available, Isaac? Uh, I'm getting into Jordan Hawkins territory. Uh, I mean, just coming off a national championship, we've talked about earlier that he is arguably, you know, if not the best shooter in the draft with making those shots off of every type of play imaginable. Uh, You've still got Anthony Black. You've got Cason Wallace. Um, But then we start getting into the territory of like Kobe Bufkin or if you do need or, or are thinking about a big there, you could have somebody like Derek Lively from Duke, who is just <laughs> scary to go against in the lane. And so uh, there's some different possible directions here for the Mavs. And I'm very curious to see what happens. I mean, Raphael, do you feel like there's a position they should be looking at specifically, or is this just a best available situation? Definitely. This is the easiest choice for me other than Wimby. I'm, I'm going with Derek Lively. It may seem controversial to some, but the Mavs, I mean, we know that they need help on defense. They need a rim protector. And, you know, some people are concerned, well, why would you take a guy to average three points per game in the top 10? But Lively is, I mean, he's your, your vertical lob threat. He's your rim runner. And with a guy like Luka Doncic, that's going to get him easy looks. All he has to do is set screens, run the floor, jump up to the moon, catch block shots. I think he could be this Luka Doncic era Dallas Mavericks version of Tyson Chandler. To me, this is a no-brainer. He fills so many of the Mavs' needs, and he can shoot the ball. Like he, he made 14 threes in a row at his pro day. If he develops into a pick-and-pop threat, I mean, he just he just helps the Mavs immediately. So, Isaac, is this genius or madness? What Raphael's spitting right now? <laughs> well, as the host of the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, I'm inclined to say that it's madness, but it is actually genius. <laughs> to Raphael's point, a young man who, in that greatest rivalry in college basketball, can score four points and be far and away the best player on the court, which he did in the first matchup between these two schools last year. Because in addition to those four points, my man had 14 rebounds and eight blocks, eight blocks in the North Carolina Duke rivalry. And so Derek Lively is just one of those guys who can absolutely change a game just sheerly by his presence. And not to mention everything that Raphael said that he didn't really get to highlight all that much at Duke last year. He's another player similar to Derek Whitehead at Duke who came into the year injured and was kind of off and on the court a little bit. And so I don't think we really got to see the full true version of Derek Lively last year. And I, I think that's 
that's probably hurt himself, hurt him a little bit in some um, scout size, but they know what they're looking for. And if it's the right fit, it's the right fit. I want to add a couple stats for you. Lively okay, shot 90, 90% from the floor in transition. He was in the top 97 percentile as a role man. Again, it was a very small sample size because, I mean, one, there's not a lot of spacing in college basketball. I don't think he had the guards to get him the ball, but he shot 77 percent at the rim. Now, with his ability to roll and kind of suck in the defense, it leaves Dallas shooters open. And if you mm. don't leave the shooters, Luca now has a legit vertical lob threat. I mean, they didn't use JaVale McGee a lot last year, but one of the, the best plays in basketball is when you have a guy that can stretch the floor vertically when he's yeah. surrounded by shooters. So I, I just think that this is like the perfect pick for Dallas. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. That's the <laughs> message for our Locked On Mavs host, Nick Engstead. So let's find out who the number 10 pick is. Here he is with a selection. The Dallas Mavericks chose Anthony Black with the 10th pick. And after many many talks on trades to bring in different players and two trades that fell through all the way that we had stipulations for that we had ready in place to make the trade to get a center to bring in a wing uh the trades just fell through because different players got picked higher than we thought they were going to and so the mavericks pick anthony black we're very excited to bring in anthony black though he is a guard wing hybrid jumbo playmaker that can defend he's a really good point of attack defender the mavericks need that desperately they are worried about his shot, though. We're, we're very worried about his shot, and if it can translate to the NBA, not a lot of rookies that can't shoot early on make big impacts, and the Mavericks need that desperately. So concerned about that, but we're very excited to bring in a guy that can defend like that to come off the bench to help Luka and hopefully Kyrie make it back to the playoffs. But... It's disappointing the amount of trades that fell through for us. Wish we had some more time, but the Dallas Mavericks will take Anthony Black and excited about the future. Okay, Anthony Black, he talked a lot about his defense. This is a player who's a great feel for the game. High basketball IQ. Isaac, how would you grade this pick for Dallas? Ooh, uh, I'll give it a, a B, I think. Okay. Um, here's, the, here's the funny thing. This time last year, we all would have said there's an Arkansas guard that's going to go in the lottery of the 23 draft. We just all thought it was going to be Nick Smith Jr. And yep. here it is, Anthony Black, who maybe benefited from Nick Smith Jr.'s injury last year for the Hogs, but um, he took every advantage of that. Now, I, what I love about my man Anthony Black is he measured like six, five and three quarters at the combine with Anthony Black. I mean, you, you heard Nick say it. We're concerned about his shot and for very good reason. It's just it was not what needed to happen. But here's some parallel from Arkansas to uh, to what Dallas would be. Arkansas was a team that was fine in the SEC this year, but then they came in to the NCAA tournament and knocked off the number one overall seed Kansas Jayhawks and that Grady Dick team. Part of that is Anthony Black's playmaking. He didn't, if I remember correctly, didn't score a single point in that game. But what he was great at was facilitating and setting up that that really talented team, um, helping them overcome injuries to not only Nick Smith Jr., but Trayvon Brazil and others. He can step in and do that same thing for the Mavs, maybe allow Kyrie and Luka to get off the ball a little bit, be a bigger guard. Uh, that'd be a devastating backcourt for other NBA franchises to have to deal with. Rafael, A, B, C, D, where do you grade this one? 
Oh man. I mean the good thing is the good thing is Anthony Black is from Dallas. He gets to stay home. That's right. I don't like it at all. Anthony Black shot 21% on guarded catch and shoot attempts. 21%. And I think with the Mavs, you you have your franchise guy in Luca. You need someone that is going to compliment him. And Mavs fans have been hard on Dwight Powell for years. I think this mm-hmm. is like his ninth year in Dallas. It looks like Dwight's going to be the starting center again next year. I, mean, mm-hmm. I, I had a plan to get them mm-hmm. some help. Mm-hmm. Now, Dwight Raphael, Powell, JaVale, JaVale McGee, back again. I, I want to know, you know, what is it about this Dallas offense that they need a floor spacer so bad? If you can break it down for people, you know, why is that so necessary to the way they, they play? Well, Luca is a guy that definitely has has the ball in his hands a lot and he is someone that you need to have complimentary pieces around him. like the hardest part in the NBA is having your superstar Dallas has that now you just have the have the, the pieces around him. I think Anthony Black could help on the offensive end but Dallas is a team that's in win now mode even though they're in the lottery so even if Anthony Black helps them on the defensive end and if they make the playoffs next year can you put him in a playoff game without it just kind of messing up the flow of your offense. That's why I think like a rim running big that's going to rebound. I think Lively has a much easier path to helping the team than a a guard that has a, a major glaring weakness in his offensive game. Because Lively's skill set translates to kind of plug and play, like go, you, you like it's easier to fit into that flow that Rafael was just talking about. Uh, when you are a lively versus when you are a black, someone who has to be an initiator and do other things. If you can just be the recipient of all those beautiful lobs from both Luca and Kyrie, congratulations. And Derek Lively, by the way, is going to throw them down with ferocity. Yeah. I mean, I look at Walker Kessler's success. Yes. Well, I can't lie. They do the same thing. And that's why I'm so high on him. I think in a redraft, Walker Kessler is going in the top 10 for sure. I mean, he was first team all rookie. I think Lively is, I think he's more talented. Now, the question is, is he as tough as Walker Kessler? That's debatable. But I think if he can have a similar year, you're going to get top 10 value. He has the easiest job if he goes to Dallas. Lively can be that tough. The question is, will he be consistently? I didn't see it last year in college. Now, something you brought up that I wanted to expand on, Rafael, is this win now mentality in Dallas. And I read a lot of articles, heard some chatter about Dallas maybe should have traded away this first round pick for a win now veteran who could help Luca and Kyrie pursue a championship like in more immediately than maybe a rookie would. Where do you see this black selection um, affecting the organization moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think if they're going to keep the pick, then it has to be someone that provides front court help in shooting, which they, they need the most. I mean, I think Christian Wood is going to be gone. So they are in win now mode. I think Anthony Black, at least for Dallas, is more so of a long-term solution. I mean, he can't help on the defensive end as far as, as, far as the wing. But, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of thrown <laughs> off by it. But I will say they are in win now mode. And, and um, it's going to be tough for, for a rookie to come in and get those developmental minutes. Hmm. I mean, Jaden Ivey, not Jaden Ivey, Jaden Hardy had a really good year, but he had to fight to get those minutes and he had to get injuries. And then as soon as guys got healthy, he was out of the lineup. So he got shuffled back and forth. I mean, obviously, Black would probably have a little bit more leeway as a, you know, a top 10 pick. But I just think that Dallas is trying to win now. And I don't know if this 
internal timeline is going to be enough to give live, I mean, uh, Black the time to develop into an offensive threat. Yeah, that kind of reminds me with Locked on Warriors. We've been talking about it all season in terms of getting developmental minutes for all of these young guys the Warriors are brought in while they're still trying to win currently with the aging core. I feel like there's a little bit of a similar feeling in Dallas in terms of this timeline with Luka. Now they're trying to you know figure out the future with Kyrie. But still, I guess anything to add on that, Isaac, in, in terms of Dallas's future with and how Anthony Black might fit into that? The real world Mavs, I think, would have made a different decision here. Uh, you know, like just looking at everything we're talking about, everything Rafael has just said, um, I, I don't think that though that version of the Mavs would have gone with Anthony Black. Um, what he does for the the mock draft version of them is allows the Mavs to um, get Kyrie off his feet some as needed. It it could be some insurance for Luca, a guy who can make plays in a not exactly but somewhat similar way, um, and and has the requisite height to do so at at an NBA level. And so th- there is some of that. You know, maybe he is a guy that if you bring him in and he can learn under Kyrie pretty quickly in the off season that he could run the second unit or something uh, with time as you get into the season. Um, But again, for a win now team, I don't think this is the way to go. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. For more on Anthony Black, here is John Neighbors of Locked On Razorbacks. Anthony Black is expected to be the number one Arkansas Razorback taken in the NBA draft this year. He's a very extremely gifted and unique athlete where he stands at six foot seven, but plays the point guard position. He's able to have different plays and different strategies of getting to the rack while scoring, while also distributing the ball for many assists while playing extraordinary defense. Whoever ends up getting a player like Anthony Black is going to be getting a great teammate that Eric Musselman personally has talked about the greatness that he had and also the toughness that he had as he dealt with the majority of the Razorback basketball season with nagging injuries. Not only is he a player that will be able to be an immediate impact once he gets into the NBA, but he's a player that is also going to grow with his jump shot. That's going to be the biggest key because, as we all know, you got to be able to shoot to play in the NBA and be successful in the NBA at the guard position. Can he continue to work on his jump shot? That's going to be the ultimate test. All right, some great insight from our guy, John. But was anyone else distracted by his background, the clothing optional beyond this point sign? For those of you who are listening, there was a little sign over his shoulder that read that. I was just cracking up. And it says <laughs> something about beaches. Yeah, it I'm says something just... about beaches. I'm like, Arkansas is landlocked. Uh, I'm not distracted at it at all because uh, I talk with John pretty regularly. He's a hilarious dude, a great guy, covers the the hogs really well. Woo pig suey. You'll love to see it. All right. Well, you love to see it. And apparently clothing optional at the beaches that are somewhere in landlocked Arkansas. There you have it. All right. Well, for more on this pick, let's go to Richard Stamen of our Locked On NBA Big Board. Dallas Mavericks selecting Anthony Black at number 10 is an absolute steal. Anthony Black has been considered a top six to nine prospect. So just by nature, the Mavs at 10 getting him is a big win. You look at the size at about six, 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 seven with point guard abilities, defense, 
and room to grow as a shooter. Anthony Black checks every box that the Mavs are looking for and upside with this top 10 pick. This is everything they wanted to tank for. This is somebody that could be a very good value at number 10. So shout out to the Locked On Mavs guys for getting him. The only concerns I can see with Anthony Black are really that you know he needs to keep adding strength, be more aggressive as he adds strength. If he continues to stay on the more passive side, he's not completely passive, but you know he doesn't always use aggression and his body to his advantage. If he can do that while also adding a jump I think that's a lethal addition and could make moving off of Kyrie Irving even more easily uh, adaptable. Interesting. Richard, a little bit higher on Anthony Black than you guys were. All right, looking ahead to the next couple picks, 11 through 16, coming up in our next episode, who is the next best talent on the board for you both? I would go with Blau Coulibaly from France. It's a name that is skyrocketing up the draft as Victor Wimbayama's teammate. I think that he is going to be uh, highly, I think he's going to be in demand. And then uh, Nick Smith, uh, we talked about it, uh, Isaac talked about it. Nick Smith was, by a lot of accounts, the top college prospect in college basketball entering the season. Missed a lot of time with right knee management. I think it's kind of unfair that he's, I mean, of course he didn't play well, but he was trying to fight through injuries and and Isaac may agree with this, but Nick Smith, if he chooses to shut it down in November, he probably goes higher in the draft. It's like he's being penalized for trying to fight through injuries and try to help his team win. What's your thoughts on that? I know sorry it's your show, Kylan, but I have <laughs> No, Raphael, you got it. That was perfect, man. No, that's I, I'm right with you, Raphael. The the person I thought about a lot this year with Nick Smith's decision was what Zion did. Remember, he blew out his shoe. Um, that's another North Carolina Duke reference there. Um, but Zion blew out his shoe and it's like everyone said, Hey, shut it down, no point in you coming back. He decided to come back. Now, obviously it's a different story because he's the consensus no-brainer number one pick in that draft. Um but with Nick Smith, I, I think it has cost him potentially in the draft, but I think it has probably won him some things in the eyes of NBA front offices. Yep. But you know the best example I can think of? Cole Anthony did the same thing. That's right. He, he got hurt and then he could have easily shut it down. North Carolina was not good that year. They were and, terrible. <laughs> and, he, and he chose to come back. And, and so I, I think that, like you said, he may have won some – you know, uh, he wants some fans in the front office, but he still hurt his draft stock by trying to play. Okay, now for the record, Raphael, this is not my show. This is our show, the collective group, and y'all have been crushing it. So this would be nothing without you, to be very, very clear. I don't know. You got all those job titles. We have. We fall under you. <laughs> crushing yeah, it like a grape. Yeah, I need y'all to step it up, add a couple more job titles. We'll throw them into episode three. Uh, you know, we can make something up. Dog walker, whatever you guys want. We'll uh, we'll try to get y'all to my level here. <laughs> yeah, you got to step it up. <laughs> got to step it up. All right, love it. That does it for episode two of the Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Now, tomorrow, picks 11 through, or not tomorrow, tonight, up in our next episode, picks 11 through 15 will be announced. Will there be more trade madness to come? We had our first Mills bomb in this second episode. Will more be to come in the third? You guys got any predictions in terms of trades? Any teams that you could see? Ah. Uh- I love putting you all on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) It's so unpredictable. I didn't see Utah and Oklahoma City coming up with a deal, even though that was probably one of the easiest trades I've ever seen. So I don't know. (laughs) 
love that. That was hysterical. All right. Well, don't forget, you can find this entire special on both audio and video at Locked on NBA and Locked on NBA Big Board podcast feeds. For Rafael Barlow and Isaac Shade, I'm Kylan Mills. We'll see you for the rest of the picks coming up in our Locked on NBA mock draft special episode number three, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. Thank you for checking out this bonus episode of the Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special. If you want to get the rest of this six-episode series with unparalleled local insight on the NBA Draft, head over to the Locked On NBA, Locked On NBA Big Board, or Locked On College Basketball Podcasts right now. Always free and available wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.